months ago, it was the end of the summer, I kind of was feeling some, uh, some health stuff. I, was, uh, I turned 40 this past year and, and kind of realized like health begins to change as you get a little bit older. So I decided uh, last couple months to really prioritize my, my health. And so I started watching what I eat. You know, I watched it as I put it in my mouth and uh, started paying attention to the type of things I was eating. Uh, I started, uh, I've kind of ran for a little bit. I've, I've run a couple half marathons, and I, I started doing some other exercises, lifting and that sort of thing, trying to, trying to get to feel better. I started taking some um, supplements and some vitamins, again, just trying to improve uh, my health. Now, let me just be clear. I know some of you are like, man, you must be a health nut. I'm not. I'm not. I love food, and I love sitting on my couch. I am not a health nut. But I don't know about you, but in the past week, every time I go on social media, maybe you're there as well, every time I go on social media, uh, Instagram or, or, or YouTube or whatever it happens to be, I am constantly getting ads for some new uh, exercise plan. Some, I mean, anybody else seeing these like at this time of year? You, you go and there's like this new ad about some new meal plan. And if you eat these special foods, It'll revolutionize your diet, and you'll be able to eat as much as you want and still be thin and fit. Or, or there's this other one that keeps coming up about some guy who says, hey, uh, you know how you think you have to do all the exercise to get thin? It's all a lie. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, there's some old secret from hundreds of years ago that if you do this secret, then you will stay physically fit without having to do any of the cardio and the exercise. There's ads about Peloton, and if you spend, you know, a billion dollars and buy a Peloton, you'll actually stay with it for the next year and a half instead of buying it and then letting it sit and collect dust. And then there's those ads where they're like, hey, we've got this magic pill, this magic pill, and if you take this magic pill, you can eat whatever you want, and you'll stay thin. And, and, if, you, and if you take this magic pill, you'll be happy. Now, I don't know about no magic pill, but I know about pie. Pie is magic. You eat pie and you feel better immediately. Maybe you'll feel different the next day. Come on, there we go. Uh, it'll feel different the next day, but pie is a magic pill. Anybody agree? It's not surprising that at this time of the year we see all of these ads because this is New Year. This is when people begin to reflect on their past year, start thinking about maybe some of the things they want to see changed in their life, some areas they want to grow, prioritize, improve. And it's, it's a good thing for us to do that. I, I love this time of the year because I do think it's wise for us to stop and reflect, hey, uh, what happened in this past year? It's good for us to think maybe, maybe our, we need to improve our health and start watching what we eat. It's good for us to think maybe we should put a financial plan together. Maybe we should do a budget. Or maybe we should actually pull the budget out and actually go by the budget. Uh, it's good for us to think, hey, I want to improve our marriage. Let's improve our relationship. Let's improve our communication. Let's improve our, our parenting. Uh, let's think about uh, our career and maybe learning a new skill. Or new, like, those are good things for us to think about. But here's, here's my issue. is Every time I go and I see these ads on, on social media, it's kind of like, hey, if you do this, if you do this one thing, your life will be, you'll, you'll have the good life, Right? If you do this one thing, then life will magically be wonderful. You'll be thin, you'll be fit, everybody will like you, you'll be successful, you'll have the good life. A life that is full of peace, that you are settled, that you are fulfilled, that you are satisfied. 
Ever notice how those ads promise those things? No, honest, honestly, there's times when I get sucked into this idea that if I just do this one thing, then my life will be settled. So I- I've told you, my wife is probably the most organized person I know. She has lists for everything. And I will say, um, I'm not the most organized. I, I have self-diagnosed ADD, and so I'm all over the place, right? And so I look at my wife, and I look at, uh, like, how smart she is, how successful, and I'm like, man, if I could just be like her, man, I would be so good. Like, like if I could be more organized, I'd be a better leader, a better pastor, a better husband, a better friend. I, like, I'd be better in all these areas of my life. And so here's what I've done the last several years is I've, I've read all sorts of books about organizational skills. I've listened to podcasts. Um, I've bought all sorts of different planners. Um, I've bought uh, online planners and apps that are supposed to organize my life. I've done all these different things to try and get organized. In fact, I remember I even told my wife, I need to buy an iPhone. Because I said, if I have an iPhone, I'll have Siri. And Siri will make me organized. And you know what I do with my iPhone? I play Wordle in the bathroom. Come on, that's what we do with our iPhones, right? Now, I have grown in my organizational skills. I've come up and and got some pieces that work for me to help me be more organized. But let me ask you this. You ever looked at somebody else? And whatever it is for them, maybe they're organized, maybe they're they're, they're financially well-off, maybe they're fit, maybe they've got strong relationships. Have you ever thought, if I could just be like them, if I could succeed in this area like them, maybe it's my organizational skills or my health, my money, If I could just do this, I could prioritize this area, then I could find maybe that that good life, that settledness, that peace, that fulfillment. Maybe if I could just succeed in this one area like this one person, then I will have the abundant life. Problem is, I think our lives are all about balancing multiple priorities, right? Right? I mean, naturally, everyone else in this room, we have like three or four priorities. I know some of you are overachievers, and you've got five or six priorities in your life. Go for it. You go, girl. You go, guy, whatever it happens to be. But most of the time, we have these, these three or four priorities, and life is trying to balance what these priorities are and balance the weight of them. So we've got like our family. We've got our career. Uh, we've got our money. And of course, you've got to have God on those priority lists because if not, people are going to judge you. And so you've got these priorities, and, and life is all about trying to balance all these priorities. Because what happens is we're like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus and prioritize my family. I need to improve my family relationships. And so you start doing that. You focus and prioritize your family until things get busy at work. And then things at work, they take that attention, and all of a sudden you're juggling these priorities and focusing on work. And then what happens after that is uh, the car breaks down. You blow a transmission. And then all of a sudden, all that work you did to get ahead financially, now that's blown out of proportion. And then the in-laws come to town, and they come to town, and then you need to go to church and repent because of some of the things you said to your in-laws. I mean, this is just how, like, life works. And you've got these priorities, and you're balancing and trying to say, man, remember, I was just trying to improve my family relationships. At the end of the day, we're trying to balance all this stuff. And what happens is at the end of the day, is rather than being really good at prioritizing things, we sit on our phone and we scroll through social media and we binge watch episodes on Netflix. We buy stuff on Amazon as a way to numb the fact that we're lacking that fulfillment. 
for lacking that idea of, an abundant, of experiencing an abundant life, the good life that God promised. We're lacking that fulfillment and satisfaction, and so we numb ourselves with social media and Netflix and all those other things. But you know, I don't think this is the way that God intended us to live. In fact, if you remember when Jesus was on the earth, Jesus said this, I came not just to give you life, I came to give you abundant life. And I want to hone in on this idea of the abundant life because I think that is the, the good life that we long for. That abundant life is when we are settled, when we have peace, when we have fulfillment. Like, I, that is what God wants us to experience. And so here this January, they're going to take the next couple of weeks, and we're going to have a, uh, some conversations about priorities, about trying to get our ducks in a row, so to speak. Uh, having some conversations on how we balance the priorities of our life, and we prioritize the right things. And so we'll, we'll, talk about, uh, we'll talk about prioritizing what we prioritize within our families. We'll talk about prioritizing uh, how we prioritize our finances. We'll talk about the type of people that we should prioritize to surround ourselves with. But today is probably going to be the most foundational message in this whole series over the next couple of weeks. Because this is the top priority above everything else. Because even if we do all those other priorities right, if we prioritize our family well and our finances and all those other things, if we get this one wrong we still will lose and miss out on the abundant life that God has offered to us, right? So, that's what we're talking about. The text that Pastor Jake for us read for us this morning uh, comes out of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this was a sermon that Jesus gave in the very beginning of his ministry, and it is really a powerful sermon. This is maybe one of those most penetrating sections of Scripture uh, in the entire Bible that really expose whether we are truly followers of Christ, or whether we are people who are just simply conformed to some religious rules that can't really save us. And so, uh, Matthew chapter 6, the passage we're in today, Jesus is talking about something that many of us uh, can relate to, very relatable. He talks about anxiety. Anxiety is an emotion that is connected to our deepest desires. You want to know what your deepest desire is, your, your biggest want and need in life? Typically, it's what makes you anxious. That's what you think is going to lead you to the abundant life and the good life. And so it might be, uh, your, this is why we worry about our families. This is why we worry about uh, our, our finances, why we worry about our career, because those are the things that we are devoted to. And so here's what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about life, but what you eat and what you drink, know about your body and what you put on. Now. Anytime you see the word therefore, we've talked about this. This is what we do when we read scripture. You have to look back and say, hey, that's connecting to something they just said. So we look back at verse 24, and this is what Jesus said. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, let me just say, this sermon is not going to be about money. There's a principle that Jesus is teaching using money, and that's what we want to focus on. It's a principle about our priorities. See, here, here's what it is. I think Jesus understands that our anxiety is related to the things that we're most devoted to, right? Our, our anxiety is often connected to what you are most devoted to. So what is that for you? You might think my anxiety is related to uh, whatever it happens to be. Maybe it's 
your relationships, your career, your finances, whatever it happens to be, your anxiety shows what you are most devoted to. And Jesus recognizes probably one of the biggest things for many of us that we struggle with, that we have worry over, is money. It's one of the big ones. And so Jesus is going to hone on this idea of priorities and focus on money because so many people can relate to that, can relate to the idea of having worry and anxiety related to their money. And what happens is so many of us, we worry and think, hey, if I can just have enough money, man, that's where my security will come from. If I can just get enough money in the savings, and man, I'll be secure and feel comfortable, and I'll have that good, abundant life. Or we think, if I can just have enough money to buy stuff, you know, and, and to have that, that will show, look how successful I am. And it gives me this idea of value, significance, by saying, look at all the stuff I have. We're successful. We've made it, right? So, again, this isn't about money. My question for you is, what is it for you? What area of life brings you the most worry? What area of life do you think that if you prioritized enough that you would find that good life, that abundant life when you are at peace and settled and fulfilled? What is that for you? Is it being more organized? Is it stronger marriage? Better friendships? Is it finishing your education? Is it focusing on your career, a new career? Is it parenting? Is it your health? Again, not that these things are bad, but Jesus wants us to understand they're important, but they're not the most important thing, right? Because this is a principle that Jesus is about to teach us. He said we cannot have two number one priorities. Something will always rise to the top. You can't have two priorities and say, I, I pursue these things equally. You can't do that. Jesus says you're going to love the one or hate the other. You can't have two. So again, Jesus is going to use his money illustration, but I want you to make it personal for you. What is the area in your life that you think, if I could just prioritize this, then I'd be set. Then I would have that abundant, good life. But to those who think the priority is money, Jesus asks a couple of questions to challenge their devotion. Uh, He says in verse 25, he says, Isn't life more than food, and isn't the body worth more than clothing? In other words, he's saying, does money really define what a good and abundant life is? Is that, where, is that where the abundant life is found? Is just having enough money? Again, make that applicable for you. Is being organized defined? Does that define what the good life is? Is having a better marriage, does that define what abundant life looks like? And so Jesus gives a couple examples to demonstrate that the abundant life is not about money or whatever it happens to be. He says in verse 26, he said, Consider the birds of the sky. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. You see that illustration that Jesus gave? It's it's so true and so practical. I mean, the birds, their security in life doesn't come because they build big barns. Like, I've never seen a bird with a huge barn with a bunch of stuff stockpiled for later. Birds aren't concerned. uh, They don't worry about how much they have in savings. No, they don't worry about that, yet they don't ever seem to, to lack. And why is that? Because God takes care of them. God is your security. They trust God to provide for them. And then he brings this other illustration out in verse 28. He says, consider the wildflowers in the field. They, they, they neither labor nor spin thread. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his splendor was not adorned like these. 
these flowers, beautiful flowers that we love to look at, their significance is not a result of them going in and having these beautiful things made for them, for others to see how great they are. They don't spend time worrying about how they look and trying to get the right clothes and the right makeup and the right hair and all that stuff to look pretty. Yet, Jesus just said, look how majestic the flowers are. And why is that? Because God adorns their lives. God gives them their significance. See, Jesus is not telling us we shouldn't save. He's not saying that we shouldn't uh, buy, uh, use money to buy nice things for ourselves. The point he's making is we should not be devoted to money as a source of our security and our significance. Because our Heavenly Father, just as he does to the birds of the, field, the, birds of the air and the flowers in the field, our Heavenly Father will take care of those things for us. In fact, he makes, it, he makes the point completely clear in verse 33. He says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added to you. He says, here's what you need to do. Be devoted to me. Be devoted to God. Be devoted first and foremost. Worry about pleasing me, about doing my will. Focus on obeying me, and then watch as God takes care of the rest of those things, including our security, our significance, our, our, our good life, all those other things that we long for. He says, seek me first and let me take care of those things. Now, again, don't get hung up on money. The sermon is not about money. What is that principle for you? What is that priority in your life that you think, if I prioritize, then I'll be settled. I'll have the abundant life that God offers, the good life that we long for. Because here's, here's the thing. The good and the abundant life is found by devoting ourselves first and foremost to God and his kingdom. That life that we long for, that feeling of being at peace and settled and fulfilled, listen, it is found when we seek God first, when we pursue his will, and we let him be the source of our security and our joy and our peace and our satisfaction. Just like God takes excellent care of the birds and wildflowers, when we seek him first, we have this promise that he will take care of us. Now, let me, let me just throw this in. When we say we prioritize first the kingdom of God and his kingdom and his righteousness, that doesn't mean that we just forget all those other things. It's not that we don't put time into our finances and our relationships and our career and whatever else it happens to be. But here's the idea, is when we seek God first and foremost in our life, okay, then we can put the trust and the confidence in God's provision. When we seek him first, we can trust that he is working things out for our good and for his glory. Because here's the way it works out. When I am seeking God first, I'll tell you what, when I'm truly, generally seeking after God, I'll tell you, that impacts how I interact with my wife. When I am seeking God first, that impacts how I parent my children. That impacts how I spend my money. That impacts the type of work I do when I go to work and how I perform at work. This is why when we live for him, we can trust him to begin to, to work those other things out for our good and for his glory. Because when we seek him first, it impacts all those other areas. You know, another way to say this, again, we're looking and saying, what, is, what does God expect of us for us to have that good and abundant life that he promises? Another way to say this is God is calling Christians to have a one-priority life, to seek him 
above all else. We are called as Christians to have a one-priority life, trusting God to work all those other areas out. I tell you, this idea is consistent throughout Scripture. In, in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes it in a very different way. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, No one serves as a soldier and then gets entangled in concerns of civilian life, but rather seeks to please his commanding officer. See, this is a picture of someone who has committed their life to Jesus. And what Paul says is they don't get caught up. They don't get caught up in everyday pursuits. No, they focus on pleasing their commanding officer. They're focused on pleasing God. That's what a soldier does. And that's what Paul is saying for Christians. You have a one-priority life, not to go seek all those civilian things, but rather to please God and God alone. Uh, uh, Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, Jesus, another illustration, Jesus calling a bunch of people to follow him. He says, come, follow me. And these people are like, yes, yes, we want to follow you, Jesus. We're in. But first I need to go do this, and first I need to do that. And Jesus responds to that in verse uh, Luke 9, 62, and says, Anyone who puts his hand to the plow but looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Do you see the priority here? You see the, the point? Jesus is saying, as Christians, we have a one-priority life. We have a one-priority life to focus on God and his kingdom and, and trust him to work all these other things out. Now, I will say, as I start talking through this, I know some of you, there's a little tension boiling up inside of you. And you're like, hey, Pastor Kevin, hold up, bro, hold up. You're saying, if I just seek God first, and I, if, if, as long as I put him above everything all else, then the rest of my life is just cupcakes and rainbows and unicorns? Like, how many of you are like, that's not been my reality? That's, there's some truth in that. Can I just acknowledge that tension? But here's the thing. When we think about the good life, when we think about the abundant life, where we are settled, where we have peace, where we are fulfilled, if we think that, is, that, that good life is found because of our money or because of our relationships or because of our job or because we're more organized, what happens when those things go bad? What happens when those things get difficult? Because let's just acknowledge, we live in a broken and fallen world, right? This is a broken place that we live in. And no matter, no matter how good we are, spouses at times will still hurt us. Kids will disappoint us. Work gets frustrating. Transmissions go out. We deal with sickness and disease. These things are a reality. And I'll tell you what, as much as I've tried to prioritize my health, I can't stop myself from getting sick. I can't stop that from happening. We can't prevent this fallen world from having an impact on us. That's why the abundant life is not related to all these things working out. The abundant life is not related to, to my work being fulfilling and to me having enough money because we can't control those things. And listen, I know some of you are control freaks. Let me tell you what, the harder you control, the worse it gets, the more anxious you get right? Now, here's the truth of Scripture. This is what Scripture is clear about. In the midst of a, of a broken world, 
in the midst of difficulty and hard things and things in this life that we can't control, what can we do? We can always seek the kingdom of God. In the midst of a fallen world, we can't control our spouse, our kids, our finances, our job. We can't control those things. In the midst of that, though, God has given everything we need at all times to seek him, to seek his kingdom first and foremost above all. This is why I want us to grasp this idea that as we long for that good life, as we long to be fulfilled, as we long for peace, Man, we all want that in our life. I want more of that in my life. This is why this, this message, again, it's not about money. I want you to hear the summary of this message. It's that seeking God and his kingdom, that's what leads to peace. And that's what leads us to the abundant life that God offers us. Can we, can we grasp that? Now, we've got all these priorities. We've got these balls in the air. Here's our marriage. Here's our finances. Here's my career. Here's my hobby. Here's whatever it happens to be. Listen, if we don't put God above everything else, we'll never be satisfied. We'll never have the abundant life that God has offered. Which is why we have to grasp, we have to get this priority straight. That as Christians, we have a one priority life. It is to seek God and his kingdom first and foremost above all else. I know we're at church and you're like, I get it. Of any place, this is the place they're going to tell me to seek God and his kingdom above everything else, right? The question is, how do we do this? How do we put God's kingdom first and foremost above all else? Well, I'm going to pull my preacher hat out today. We're going to give you an acronym as a, re as a response to this. An application related to an acronym. You ready for it? The first letter is R. And it means to remain with God every day. Now, I'll just say this. One of the problems in the church, one of the problems with us Christians is we often act like we don't need God. I mean, we show up to church on Sunday and we're worshiping God. Oh, yeah, God, I need you. We sing those songs. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. We, we sing those songs. But then what happens on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday is we live as if we don't need him. We live in our own strength, our own wisdom, our own power. In fact, there's a, there's a uh, uh, popular pastor, Craig Rochelle, and he wrote a book called Christian Atheists about us Christians. How we show up at church on Sunday, God, I need you, but then we live our life Monday through Saturday through our own strength, our own power, our own wisdom. Listen, this is why I say we have to remain with God every day. We have to acknowledge Listen, I can't do this life on my own. I need God. In fact, isn't that the whole purpose that Jesus came to the earth? Because we couldn't do it on our own? I mean, if we could do it on our own, then, then Jesus didn't need to come for us, right? I mean, isn't that the way the gospel works out? Is we couldn't be good enough. We couldn't do enough to, to please God. So we needed Jesus to come and do it in our place. Yet, how often do we go through the, our life living according to our own wisdom. Oh, God, I got this. I don't need you. I'm smart enough to do it on my own. Now, this is why we have to remain in God every day. I'll tell you how this plays out for me. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, one of our founding members, Dan Fitzgerald, uh, used to go and have a prayer time with Dan uh, once a week. 
And Dan gave me a little business card that had a Bible verse on it. And I'm like, oh, how, how cool is that? And you know what I do with that business card? I put it on my dashboard in front of my speedometer. So if I ever speed, it's because it's blocking my speedometer. But uh, I put it on my dashboard. Uh, you want to know why? Because when I'm driving around town, man, you cut me off. And from the safety of my car, I can sure, yeah, I can sure tell you what you did wrong. I can call you every name in the book. Like, you cut me off. Or, or the worst, the worst is when you're driving down the road and you've got a slow car in front of you, and another slow car comes right next to you, and you're like, ah, I can't stand this. Like, I just go crazy. I, I, at times, I'm not very Christian. Now, don't you dare judge me. I've driven with some of you. Y'all are worse than me. I've seen it. I've seen it. You cut me off. And, woo! But that verse, you know why it's there? It's because when I look at it, it's a reminder to me, oh, yeah, I need Jesus. When I'm driving, there's times I've got to be like, God, I was wrong. I I'm sorry I just yelled at that guy and called him an idiot. I shouldn't have done that, God. There's times I have to repent. There's times I have to say, God, I need you right now to calm my nerves because I'm getting stressed out and frustrated. See, that, 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 that little verse is a reminder to me that I have to remain in God. That I, I need him every day and, and, and every moment. As much as I can justify yelling at other people, I recognize I have a need for God every day. And when we seek the kingdom of God first, we live lives that are like that, where we are constantly trying to say, I need God. And I'm going to remain in him every single day. Listen, I'm up here as a pastor. Listen, I need to remain in him every day. And so do you. So let me ask you, let me ask you right now, as you start thinking about your life, what are some of the rhythms? What are some of the rhythms that you can create in your life to remind you to remain in him? What are the, what are the, what are the rhythms that you can create in your life where as you're going through your marriage and your work and, and your parenting, and your kids, and your hobby. What are some little things that you can do to remind you, hey, I need to remain in God today and not my own strength? Is that setting time every morning to spend a little time in prayer? Again, just, hey, God, I need you today. I'm going to start my day off spending time with you. Is that, is that putting verses around your house, around places, in your car to remind you, oh, yeah, I need you? What are the rhythms that you can create in your life to remind you to remain with God every day? Second letter, E. This is to expect setbacks, but keep progressing forward. Like, I've talked about this. I don't know where the lie came in. This lie came into the church that we think God expects us to live the Christian life perfectly. Have you ever felt that pressure? And I got to be the perfect little Christian? Or maybe you don't have that, but maybe you come into church and you look around and you're like, man, I'm the only one who struggles. All these other people are perfect, yet here I am struggling and having setbacks and, and dropping the ball and falling down and, and making all this mess of my life. I've got to be the only one who struggles. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you. God knows we will not live the Christian life Again, why do we have the cross? Because we're not going to do this life perfectly. As Christians, we can expect setbacks. 
we can expect at times to struggle. And the key is, when we do it, we confess it and we get right back up. Right? Let, let me be a little corny like a dad, okay? Let me, let me be a little bit corny. See, see, our faith and our Christian walk is kind of like riding a bike. It's kind of like riding a bike. When you learn to ride a bike, you're going to ride, and then you're going to fall down, and you're going to skin your knee, and you're going to start crying. And you've got two choices. I can stay on the ground, and I can cry, and I, have, I can have my mom come and kiss it all better, or I can get back on the bike, and I can do it again. You know where the Christian life success is found? It's not by staying on the ground saying, oh, poor me, I screwed up again, I suck, I'm horrible. No, the Christian life is all about us getting back on the bike. Listen, this is why one of our values, one of the family values we have here at Restoration Church is we're a church that celebrates progress, not perfection. So you know what that means? Listen, I don't expect anyone in this room to be perfect. Praise God for that. I expect us to have some struggles to say, man, I'm struggling with this right now. I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling with lust. I'm struggling with alcohol. Whatever it happens to be, listen, we expect that. We're not looking for perfect. We're not looking for perfection. But you know what we're looking for? When you drop the ball, we're looking for you to get back on the bike and keep progressing forward. Because I'll tell you what, I can't tell you how many times I've fallen off the bike. This past week, how many times I've dropped the ball again and again. Yet, here I am today. I'm still on the bike. I'm still pedaling forward. And that is where the Christian life, the success is found. When I, when I look at those saints that have gone before me, those saints that I look up to, their lives have not been perfect. Their lives have been marked by this idea, hey, we're going to pursue progress. And when I fall off, I'm going to get it right back on. So listen, if you face a setback, you face a struggle, you screw up, hey, you're human. Praise God for the cross. Confess it and get back and keep moving forward. Number three, S. We have to soak in God's word. Again, we already talked about how we are constantly being bombarded with all sorts of stuff. Hey, if you just do this, then you'll be happy. If you just, if you just, if you just make enough money, or if you save enough money, or if you, if you have enough material wealth to show off, like, then you'll be satisfied. Our world tells us that. Oh, if you, you know, if you're not satisfied with your spouse, if your spouse frustrates you, you just need a new one. Just try a new one out and see if they will make your life easier. Well, you know, if your career is hard, you just keep working harder at it. Or, or, or go find a new career. Or, 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 we have all these ideas of, of what the abundant life and where success comes from. The world is always selling us on some sort of secret. Do this and you'll be happy. This is why the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12. He said, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Listen, our minds have got to be renewed. Because the world keeps bombarding us with messages about this is where the good life is found. And what do we do? We keep chasing it. We keep chasing the good life and the abundant life and all these things that can ever satisfy us. And Paul says we've got to have our minds renewed. And how do we have our minds renewed? Through the Word of God. Through this book right here. By soaking in the Word of God, our mind gets transformed. 
where no longer are we pursuing the things of the world, now we allow God and his kingdom and his word to transform our hearts, to change us from the inside out. That's why we've got to be a people who, who prioritize the word of God, which is why when you come to church here, listen, you're not going to hear me give you a bunch of opinions about how to live your life because I'm not that smart. You're going to hear us open up the word of God and say, this is what the word of God says, because that is where transformation comes from. Again, this is the new year. This is a perfect time to get into a pattern of reading your Bible. This past week, Pastor Jake put together a bunch of devotionals out on the resource table. Matt, I encourage you, go pick up one of those devotionals and just get into some scripture. For me, I follow a Bible reading plan on the Bible app. You can go to the Bible, get it on your phone, the Bible app. They have all sorts of Bible reading plans. I'm doing a chronological uh, one-year Bible chronologically. So it's going through from creation to the very end. That's how I'm going to read it this year. But, like, what is it for you? You've got to be in the Word of God. And guess what? If you miss a day or two or seven or a couple months, get back into it. It's just this idea that we've got to be a people who soak in the Word of God. We have to have our minds transformed because I tell you, I tell you, <laughs> how much time do we spend listening to what the world has to say? on the TV, on the radio, on podcasts, on ads, on all these different things. We're constantly being bombarded with messages. We've got to be people who allow the word of God to transform us. And you know what happens? I, I know some of you are saying, well, Pastor Kevin, like, that's great, but, but I've tried to read the Bible, and I just, sometimes it's confusing. Yeah, sometimes it is. And so here's what you do. Here's, here's how you pray when you're reading the word of God. When you're reading scripture, and you're like, God, I don't know what's going on here. This doesn't quite make sense to me. But God, would you open my eyes? God, would you speak to me through your word? Because I'll tell you what, that is where the power of Scripture comes in. That God will give you a word in the middle of something. You're like, I don't even know what's going on, but God just spoke to me through his word. I have to understand it all. Just pray, God, would you open my eyes? Would you give me understanding? Would you speak to me through your word? Number four, fourth letter is T. We've got to trust God and make decisions by faith. See, how is it? How is it that we can trust God with our salvation? Right? We can trust God to take us to heaven when we die. That's a huge thing. Yet for some reason, we can't trust God with the basic circumstances in our lives. I mean, I think it's so crazy we can trust God with this huge thing of our salvation and our, and our future and our eternity, yet we can't trust God with our finances or with our marriage or with our organization or with whatever it happens to be. In fact, as a pastor, here's what happens. People come up to me and they're like, hey, pastor, uh, I'm trying to figure out what God wants me to do in my life, right? What's the will of God? I've got these two choices. I need to know, what is the will of God here? Like, the will of God is some magic eight ball that if I just shake it, like, God will give you a yes or no, or blue or red, or, or Seahawks or some other team. No, he's going to say Seahawks, but, I mean, that's another story. You know, we think, like, that's the will of God. It's just some, some magic eight ball that we shake the right way, and then all of a sudden we know what the will of God is. That's not how the will of God works. See, this is how the will of God works. When we are seeking the kingdom of God, when we are seeking God and his kingdom, first and foremost above all else, 
which means that we remain in him daily. That we experience setbacks, yet we keep progressing. That we soak in the word of God. When we are, when we are seeking him and his kingdom, as we live by that, we simply pray and say, God, God I've, I've got to make a decision here. I've got to make a decision on A or B. And based on the fact that I'm walking with you, based on the fact that I am pursuing you, I'm going to trust you to lead me to the right decision. I'm going to trust you to work out those circumstances. Listen, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how often God steps in to work out those circumstances when we are pursuing him and his kingdom above all else. But you might say, well, I don't know, God. What do I decide here? But here's the thing. When you are walking in him, when you are remaining in him, when you're continuing to progress in your faith, when you're soaking in his word, it's kind of like you become the will of God. And you trust God to, to lead you to that decision. And you make that decision and you trust God to work out those circumstances. It's not a magic eight ball that you got to shake. It's just you having a life dedicated to him. You know what happens when we are seeking God in his kingdom? When we are remaining in him daily? When we are experiencing setbacks but we keep progressing forward? When we are soaking in his word? When we are trusting in him and making decisions based on that faith? We experience rest. Where we can rest in him. We can experience peace. We can experience satisfaction. We can experience the abundant life that he offered to us. That's why this acronym of rest comes on the screen. In fact, listen to this, James 4, verse 8. Listen to this. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. John 15 says, if any of any of you remain in me, if my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and I will be done. You see, that abundant life that we long for, good life, the fulfillment, the satisfaction, as we rest in him, as we prioritize him above all else, and that is where that satisfaction is. And I'll tell you, for me, I, I do want to prioritize some things. But i got to make sure that my priorities are set right. I've got to recognize that that satisfaction I long for, that fulfillment, that peace, it's not, not going to come because I'm more organized, because I'm a better leader, because I've done some things differently. It comes as I prioritize first and foremost, above all else, God and His kingdom. that's a challenge for you this week as you process through the new year, your resolutions what you want to see God accomplish this year will you seek his kingdom above all else will you remain in him every day will you experience setbacks but choose to continue to progress will you soak in God's word and will you trust him and make decisions based on that faith I'll tell you what, this could be our year. This could be our year to experience all that God 
promises. I pardon me, Lord, why I do 